Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, we started in here in, the, in kind of the middle part of this passage last week. We have been in this series called This is Church for some time now, and we've, deci- we've defined church. What is church? We've, we've looked at that fact that we started with the head of the church, that Jesus is the undisputed head of the church. We looked at a couple of the different right marks of the church And then we started looking at biblical metaphors for the church, different pictures that God's word gives us. And so we started with the family, and we looked at the bride of Christ. There's another metaphor. Last week, we looked at the body of Christ. And this week is really the body of Christ part two. If part one was about all the unique body parts that God has given us in the body of Christ and the importance of the local church as the body of Christ, this week we're going to look at the gifts to the body. You see, God gave gifts to the body, and that's what we're looking at today. And so I I would remind you, kind of where we started last week was the importance of the gospel mission of the church. Last week, I reminded you that some would say the gospel is about reconciliation. It's about reconciling people to their heavenly father. And some would say the gospel is about redemption. It's about redeeming people from their sins before a holy God. And some would say the gospel is about restoration. It's about restoring this broken world and God's kingdom breaking through. And we talked about how really all three of those are aspects of the mission of the gospel. And it's the role of the church in those. And the vehicle that God has chosen for this mission of the gospel is the church, specifically the local church. Now, the church today is under attack. And ironically enough, the church is under attack Many times from Christians. Christians have declared that the local church is no longer important in their lives. Christians have declared it's it's enough for me to just kind of take what I want out of church as it suits me and my needs and not be part of a local church. And so the importance of that is being challenged. But the church, especially the local church, is God's chosen tool for launching and accomplishing this gospel work. And so, in a very real sense, right here in this cafeteria at Prairie View School, we are gathered together, but we, the local church, are God's vehicle for accomplishing his work. We are part of God's kingdom breaking through into this world. We are this. We are this vehicle and this chosen tool. We're attacking the kingdom of Satan. Remember when I talked about this a couple months ago? That from Matthew 16, 18, when Jesus says that this rock and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against her. And I reminded you that gates are not offensive weapons. That the church should not just be hunkered down protecting ourselves from the attacks of the kingdom of Satan. But Jesus flipped the metaphor around. The church should be attacking the gates of hell. We're on the offensive. That's the gospel work, the work of the local church. And the church is on this mission to attack the gates of hell. We reconcile people to God. We proclaim a message of redemption. We restore this world and God's kingdom is breaking through in power in this world against the gates of hell in this world. And this vehicle is the church, the body of Christ. I was trying to think of a picture of what it looks like to be equipped because the gifts 
that God gives to his church to accomplish this important mission. These gifts are important. And what does it look like to be equipped? And I, and I got in my mind a picture of a helicopter. And you can, you know, that's, this is a... This is an Apache helicopter, an AH-64, and this helicopter's been around for a while. But the purpose of this helicopter in particular, uh, this helicopter was originally designed in the late 70s and the early 80s. The point of this helicopter is to attack. That's the point of it. This isn't like fly in, pick up a bunch of people, and leave. This is an attack helicopter. The AH-64 is capable of carrying 16 Hellfire anti-tank missiles. I mean, this thing can do some damage. Or it it can also carry 76 uh, Hydra 70 rockets. Uh, It's got 30 millimeter machine guns and it's capable of spilling out 1,200 rounds. This was one of the the coolest things when they were designing this helicopter. Apparently the gunner, the the guy who sits in front and controls the weaponry, he wears this special helmet and wherever his head turns, the gun turns with him and tracks. This helicopter was designed to do damage. It's an offensive weapon. And in many ways, it reminds me of the church. (laughs) You think, well, that's strange, Dave. I don't think of the church with 16 Hellfire anti-tank missiles and 76 Hydra rockets blowing stuff up. But in many ways, it reminds me of the church because the church is an offensive weapon. We're taking this message of the gospel to the world around us. We're doing damage to the gates of hell, the world. The world is not who we're attacking. We're rescuing the world through the gospel. It's Satan we're attacking. And the word is our offensive weapon. The word of God and the Holy Spirit behind this word, this is our offensive weapon. We're attacking the gates of hell and we're taking the world back. The Apache is equipped to accomplish its mission, but that's not the only way it's equipped. And I think this is interesting. This helicopter is also equipped with a lot of systems that, and devices that just help it to function. It's got gyroscopic stabilizers. It's got a four-blade tail rotor that counteracts the torque of those massive engines. And it's got twin turboshaft engines that turn that four-blade prop and, and provide lift. It's got a self-sealing fuel system. It's got state-of-the-art communication system. It's got GPS. It's got the whole works. It's got tons of equipment, and it's got tons of parts, and each part has a role just to make the thing work. A helicopter, first and foremost, must be built and equipped with things to sustain it and make it function before it can accomplish its tasks. If a helicopter doesn't ever get off the ground, what good are those 16 Hellfire missiles? I mean, what good are they if it never can lift off the ground or if it crashes right after liftoff? There's a lot of systems in that. So it is with the church. As the church, each of us are important. Each of us is important. It's a, we're essential to the work of the church. We're essential for the church to attack the gates of hell. And we must be equipped to accomplish this task. We need each other. And that was really last week's whole message. If you missed it, go back on the podcast and listen to it. The whole point was that you're needed and so is the person next to you. We're all part of this body together. And, it, and as a church, each of us is important. But just like that helicopter has been given equipment that help it do its task and help it function, that equip it to work well, so the different parts of the body have been given gifts. And each of us are equipped for the strengthening of the church 
to accomplish her mission. The New Testament tells us that God has equipped his body with the necessary gifts to accomplish this task. The New Testament calls these gifts of equipping spiritual gifts. So God has given every member of the church at least one spiritual gift so that together the local church can accomplish its peace in the greater gospel mission. God's given you a gift so that you can help equip Waukee Community Church for our purpose in the greater vision of the universal church all over the world. It starts here. It's local churches all over this world being equipped with spiritual gift by individuals who work together with the body to accomplish this great gospel mission. Spiritual gifts kind of, I mean, I gotta be honest, they kind of have sort of this aura of mystery surrounding them. I mean, we hear people talk about spiritual gifts or we hear the term thrown around, but most of us probably don't know what a spiritual gift is or what ours is, or how we're supposed to use it. I mean, some might think, you know, Dave, uh, what are spiritual gifts? Are they like magic, you know? Are they like magic beans you get, and then you can do cool stuff with them? What are, I mean, how do spiritual gifts work? You know, how do you figure out your spiritual gift? Do you have to go to spiritual gift school, you know? Do you have to graduate with a diploma from the spiritual gift school? Is there class credit? Can you drop out? I want to know these things, you know? Is there a secret test? Secret language, a secret handshake. And once you know your spiritual gift, you get a secret handshake. I mean, how do they work? Are they a superpower? I mean, once you get a spiritual gift, is it like having a superpower? I always joke with my wife. My wife has a superpower. It's the superpower of smell. She can find out if I've been near an onion in the last month. She knows it, right? Like anywhere close to it, she's got, and then when she's pregnant, it's heightened. Right, is that like a, is a superpower, you know? Is it like a spiritual gift? We got a superpower when we get a spiritual gift? Some, I mean, what are the spiritual gifts? Some of you think, you know, do you have the gift of, spiritual, or the gift of giving? Some of you might have the spiritual gift of giving. To people who say that, I always say, what a coincidence, because I have the spiritual gift of receiving. This works out really well, you know? Do you have the spiritual gift of cooking? You know, I don't know. I have the spiritual gift of eating. Again, we were made to, you know, work together here. Some of you, you know, think you have the spiritual gift of chair sitting. Like these chairs, as uncomfortable as they are, you can tolerate this the whole time Dave preaches. That must be a spiritual gift. I might have the, the spiritual gift of chair tipping. I don't know. But you know, what is a spiritual gift? There's so much mystery and there's so much confusion and there's so much misunderstanding. We have a lot of questions about spiritual gifts. In the same way, the Corinthians had questions for Paul. The Corinthians had questions for Paul about spiritual gifts. And clearly when we get to, to chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul makes this transition and he says, listen, you all asked me about spiritual gifts. And so let's talk about spiritual gifts. Because the church in Corinth was a mess. It was using gifts for the wrong purposes. They were jockeying to figure out whose gift was most important. I mean, you can just sort of see the church, people in the church of Corinth elbowing each other saying, you know, ooh, I want that spiritual gift, or I got that one, or, you know, this one's more important than that one, and, and sort of kind of button in front of each other to say, we got the, the best spiritual gift. Because you and I have questions about spiritual gifts, this passage is a really good place to start. There's a number of different passages in the Bible that talk about spiritual gifts, but this one 
is a really good place to start. Now, I'd like to offer a disclaimer here, okay? Um, I have one message in this series on spiritual gifts. There is no way, I mean, there is no way at all that uh, I can approach the subject of spiritual gifts in one message. And so you'll probably all leave here being disappointed. (laughs) You know, nothing unusual. Pastor Dave disappointed me again. Uh, But I would say this. I hope that you leave here today wanting to know more. Because come spring, um, in in the spring, in in January, February, we're going to start a series in the book of Acts. And then later in the spring, we're going to take a break for a little bit. And we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about spiritual gifts. We're going to dive into it more in depth. So today, this is really a wet your whistle kind of message for what spiritual gifts are. And so there's this series coming and we'll dive into it more then. Now, so I just threw out some questions today. I think we'll walk through the text in 1 Corinthians 12 and that'll help to answer some of these questions that I'm throwing out uh, that the, the Corinthians had for Paul. And then we can ask those same kind of questions for ourselves. So the first question is this, it's just thrown up there. What is a spiritual gift? What is a spiritual gift? All right, look at verse 1, chapter 12. Paul says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Paul says, don't be ignorant. And yet we are, aren't we? I mean, most of us, you don't know what your spiritual gift is. I don't even, you know, most of us don't even know how they work, where they come from, what are they. Most of us know have, have no idea how we're gifted. Some of us know and we're not using our gifts. Some of us want to know but haven't figured out how to find out how we know. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. So to listen to what he says. Look at verse 2. He says, you know that when you were pagans... <laughs> Paul doesn't mince words, does he? You know, pagans, that's not a nice thing to call people. But he says, when you were pagans before Jesus, you know, the church of Corinth was immersed in a culture that's somewhat different than ours. They were immersed in in the Greco-Roman culture, the culture of Greece that Greece had established when they conquered the, the world. And then Rome, of course, took over from Greece and Rome left so much of the Greek culture in place. And apparently a lot of these spiritual gifts that the Corinthians were talking about sort of had rival gifts in the pagan world. So some of these ones like the gift of tongues and healings and words of mystery and, and things like that, there were sort of rival talents in the, in, in the pagan world. And, and what's really interesting is that the way the pagans used them is they used them to one-up each other. So when you were pagans, you would say, I've got this gift, I'm better than you. Oh yeah, well I've got this gift, I'm better than you. Well I can do this, I'm better than all you. And what Paul is saying is don't be a pagan. Don't do it like that. The Christians had just picked up their culture. They said, well, we're just gonna use whatever gifts we have. What is a spiritual gift? A genuine spiritual gift. What is that? What's the genuine spiritual gift of the Holy Spirit to a Christ follower? Well look what, Paul says. This is, this is like a litmus test. And it's certainly not the only test, but look at what he says. He says, therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. You want to know if a spiritual gift is valid or real? Is it a spiritual gift is always given by the Holy Spirit for the glory of Jesus? So you can't do this. Oh yeah, I got a word of wisdom. 
and kick your neighbor and talk about how great you are, it always points to the glory of Jesus. That's a spiritual gift. It's not for you. It's for Jesus and it's for his glory. A spiritual gift will always glorify Jesus and build up the church. So what is a spiritual gift? Well, in verse one, Paul says, okay, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. The word spiritual gift in Greek is closely related to the word for grace. It's closely related to the word for grace. Well, what is grace? Well, grace is a gift that you didn't deserve that you received. Grace is something you didn't deserve. That's what a grace is. It's getting what you didn't deserve. Now, so spiritual gift, listen to this. Spiritual gift then is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. You didn't earn it, but it's a gift from God that God uses for his glory, the building up of the church. Do you see this? It's a grace. It's a gift. Um, okay, a couple of Bible dictionaries here. Uh, the Erdman's Bible Dictionary says that spiritual gift are, gifts are ways in which one spirit possessed by all Christians works in diverse forms. That's okay. Uh, Wayne Grudem says a spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. That's okay. I mean, it's good. But a, a spiritual gift is a tool that's used for the equipping of the church. A spiritual gift strengthens the ministry of the church. It's, it's hard to define sometimes, a spiritual gift, but it's this gift, it's a grace that you didn't deserve that God gives to you, not for your benefit, for the, but for the benefit of the church, others. It's an ability, it's not just a talent, you know? It's not just a talent. It's not just, wow, you know, I'm a great baseball player, this spiritual gift of catching, you know? It's not just a talent or, you know, I can play the bass guitar. Woo, that's not a spiritual gift. It's not just a talent. It's an ability that's empowered by God. It's a grace. It's given. Another thing as we define spiritual gifts is the spiritual gift is always about the church and about God's glory through Jesus. So again, it's not about you and what you want. It's about the Holy Spirit giving someone the ability and that ability should be used for the glory of God through the equipping of the church. Now look at 7a, the first half of 7. Paul says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. That's a weird word, manifestation. I scratched my head to try to figure out what that meant for a while. What's a manifestation of the Spirit? The word manifestation really, it, it has the idea of shine. Like the, the, the root word in there is light, shine, reveal. That's what that word means. The, the revealing of the spirit. That, that's what the, the word manifestation means. So what is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is a manifestation of the spirit. It's a revealing of the spirit. When I was a kid, we had these things called light brights. Uh, d- does anybody here remember the light bright set? We got like four of you. <laughs> so, so I like it. I don't want to admit I'm that old. Yeah, the light bright was a box with a light bulb in it. It's this amazing invention, you know? And on the front of it had a pegboard, and you could put a piece of black construction paper over that to, to block out all the light. And then you got these little, these little glow tabs, these, and you could stick them in the light bright and make Mr. Potato Head or other cool things. And, uh, you know, these were, this was a great, I had a lot of fun, you know, all the lights out 
playing with the light bright. And it occurred to me as I was thinking about the word manifestation or reveal or shine that this is kind of what the spiritual gifts do. God's glory is what makes the light bright work. The light bulb is what makes the light bright work. God's glory, the power of the Holy Spirit is what makes spiritual gifts work. And it's like we're taking these little pegs, the spiritual gifts, and we're putting them in the light bright set. And the glory of God is shining through the gifts. The power of the Holy Spirit is shining through the gifts and revealing God's glory to the world and equipping the church. It's all about God. Spiritual gifts are all about God. God didn't just start the church and leave it alone. He's equipping the church and his power is shining through. So when you understand and know your spiritual gift, you're like the light bright. You're like the one who says, oh yeah, I'm putting the pegs in and I know which peg I am in revealing the manifestation of the spirit to the church. I've got a role. I'm a peg. I've got a gift. I get it. And when you know your spiritual gift and when you use it, you find purpose. And you get that it's really not about you anymore. It's not, oh, look at me. I'm a cool orange peg. I mean, no light bright set orange peg can gloat about how great it is, right? You know, it's only when it's fit through, it's illuminated with the light behind it, and it shines in the bigger picture. And that's just like spiritual gifts. No person can say, wow, look at me. I have the spiritual gift of teaching. I'm great. Because it doesn't work if it's not plugged in to the whole light bright set, (laughs) the whole church. It doesn't work if it's not shined through, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And when you understand and use your gift, you equip the church and God gets the glory through you. That's what a spiritual gift is. What's a spiritual gift? It's all about God's glory and the equipping of the church, his Holy Spirit empowering, shining through. So the second question I had for you, if the first question was, what is a spiritual gift? The, the second question is, who gives the gifts? Where do they come from? Look at verse 6. Paul says, There are different kinds of working, but the same God works in all. Look at verse 11. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. Who gives the spiritual gifts? Well, it's not you, because the word grace says you don't deserve it. So it's not you, it's God. He's the one who's the gift giver, and he's the one who determines who gets what gifts. So you can't just walk around and go, well, I don't know what spiritual gift I have today, or, but I think the spiritual gift that helps, I'm going to do that one. You know? And so you can't just determine what your spiritual gift is. Now, you can Work hard and be diligent to try different things and discover it, but you can't just learn a gift. When, when I was um, about 11 years old, we were up at my grandma's, and we're standing uh, at my grandma's. She, the only thing really to do at my grandma's was watch TV and um, get hurt in the forest behind her house. And so, uh, you know, in the winter, it was a little miserable outside. So I remember one winter over Christmas, uh, I was tired of watching TV, and I didn't want to freeze my rear end off. So I stayed inside and I found three balls and I decided I would teach myself to juggle. And so I spent that entire Christmas break juggling these three little balls and figuring it out. And today, still to this day, if you give me three things of equal size, I might be able to juggle for about 15 seconds. That might be pushing it. Um, 
it was a, it's clearly I don't have the talent of juggling, but it was a gift that I could learn and I could put my mind to and I could develop it through hard work and perseverance. I could say, hey, I might not be a gifted juggler, but I can learn this. In some ways, spiritual gifts are like that. In some ways, they aren't. They're not like that in the terms of you can just decide, I'm going to be a great teacher and I'm going to learn teaching. You could get better at teaching, but if you're gifted at it, you'll know it. If you're gifted at it, it's not you just learning more. It's God giving you the gift. You can't earn your gift. You can't buy it. You can't decide your gift. You know, many people want the flashy gifts. But this flies in the face of 1 Corinthians 13, which says we should use our gifts in love. Pastors don't give you your gift. The person next to you doesn't give you your gift. Your gift comes from God. And so embrace the gift that God has given you. And it's always about him. When the gift giver is the one who gets the glory, he gets the glory when you use your gift and you recognize it's from him for the building up of the church and the glory of God. So the third question I have is who is given a spiritual gift? Okay, so we know what a spiritual gift is. We, we know that God is the one who gives a spiritual gift. Now, who, who's given these spiritual gifts? Well, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 7, and again, we're right here in this passage, now to each one the gift is given, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Who's given it? Every believer. Every follower of Jesus, every believer in Christ, everyone who's believed in the death of Christ for the forgiveness of their sin, who's put their faith in him, everyone who believes in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, everyone who believes in Jesus has been given a spiritual gift. No believer has all the gifts, and that spiritual gift is given at the moment of salvation. Now, later on, we're going to see that these gifts need to be developed. But every believer has at least one gift. And the big picture is, since nobody has all the gifts, again, we need each other. We have to have you, we have to have the person next to you to make the church work. You know, um, some of us don't like other people's gifts, you know? I, I, I think people who uh, kind of view themselves as prophets or truth tellers, you know, that could be, they have the ability to speak truth into other people's lives. Uh, a lot of times those people don't like people with the gift of mercy, you know, and we don't get along so well because I just want to tell you what's wrong with you and have you say, yes, Dave, you're right, and I'll listen to everything you have to say. And we don't like people that are, have mercy and compassion and, and can dig in and, and see, you know, what's going on in someone's life and have compassion for where they are, when they're at, wh why they're at that place in their life. Sometimes we don't see the need for each other. But God said, I haven't given all the gifts to one person you need each other. And so last week, again, I talked about how some of you think you're not important to the church. Like, we don't need you. But that's not true. We need you. Some of you don't know your gift. Find it out. You've got one or two or more. Figure it out. Use it. Who's given a spiritual gift? Everyone who has a faith in Jesus Christ. The fourth question I have then is what are the spiritual gifts? How many are there? I'm going to just punt on this question because there is no earthly way that I can answer this question in this message. And I'm just hopefully going to wet your whistle and wet your appetite so that in the spring when we come back to this, we're going to spend more time on, the, on what the scripture says are the biblical gifts. But I would say this. I would say 
that um, I don't know that we ha- necessarily have a comprehensive list of all the spiritual gifts in Scripture. Because at, at different points, Paul seems to be highlighting different ones. But I think that what we have is we have enough to know what are the essential gifts, what gifts you could possibly have. And, and we will look at those in the spring. So hopefully, I'm just wetting your appetite for spring when we come back to this. The next question I had was, why are the gifts given? Why are the gifts given? What possible reason could God have for giving spiritual gifts to his church? I mean, if God's the one that has all the power, if God's the one who has all the glory, if I were God, I wouldn't put up with a church and I would just do it myself, you know? Because sometimes I get tired of working with people and nobody else can do it the way I can. And I would think God would just go, hey, you know what, church? Just stop it. You're screwing it all up. I got it. So why are the spiritual gifts given? Well, the amazing thing about this is this is, the, this is the cool picture of the church as a body is that the spiritual gifts are given to equip and build up. In verse 7 again, Paul says, to each one, so everyone's got a gift, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Why? For the common good. And that's not how the Corinthians were using him. They weren't using him for the good of the church. The gifts are given for the benefit and the building up of the church. That's why they were given. In other words, God could have said, hey, you know what, just sit back, don't do anything, I got it covered. But he didn't. He chose to make the church, specifically the local church, the instrument through which he would change the world. And he said, I'm going to equip this church with the spiritual gifts. Ephesians 4.12 says the gifts were given, did I? Yeah, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Do you see this? It's really important. Why were they given? They were given for the church. That's not why most of us want to know our spiritual gift, to be honest. Like the temptation here is to go, well, I would like to know my spiritual gift because Rick Warren told me that I should have a purpose-driven life. And so for me to find my, I'm not dissing on Rick Warren, by the way. For me to find, the temptation is to say, for me to find uh, my true fulfillment and have arrived in this Christian life, to plug that hole that I'm missing, what I need to do is discover my spiritual gift. And that becomes our motivation. That, that's not the motivation that Paul talks about. The motivation for your spiritual gift and knowing your spiritual gift is because you're so passionately committed to the power and belief that the local church is the hope of the world, that the church is the hope of the world, that you say, I need to know my spiritual gift because I need to know my part in the church accomplishing this great mission we've been given. And it's true, you may find fulfillment in using your gift, but that's not the point. The point is to build up the church. You are given the gifts for a reason. You are given a gift to equip the church for ministry, to bring God glory through the church, to accomplish God's great mission in this world. This is what Paul is saying, the common good, the church. God gave gifts to the church because the church is important to equip, to bring glory to God, to accomplish the mission. That's why the gifts were given. And that's why you need to know your spiritual gift because you're integrally important to this church. You're super important to this church. 
Why are the gifts given? Because God's doing something great to the church and he wants to equip the church for ministry. Next question I had for you is this. How are the gifts to be used? How should we use them? Well, we should use them in love. So the Corinthians already stated we're fighting over who got the good gifts, you know? Who got them? How does this work out? And Paul says that's not the point. The point is not you reaching your fulfillment in the gifts. The point is how are you going to use them for the benefit of others? Now look at this. In light of all that, we get to the end of chapter 12. And Paul says, all right, you're all using spiritual gifts for the wrong reason, and you all have a place in the body, so stop fighting and saying who's the most important, who's got the best gift. And he says, now I'll show you the most excellent way. And we forget that 1 Corinthians 13 is all about spiritual gifts. We read 1 Corinthians 13 and we think of a wedding. And we go, I mean, I've read that passage many, many times at weddings. And we think about love between a husband and a wife. We think about a marriage and how beautiful love is. Paul wasn't thinking about that when he wrote 1 Corinthians 13. I want to read it for you. And instead of thinking about a husband and a wife at a church at a wedding, I want you to think about the church and spiritual gifts, how God has equipped you. So just listen, okay? So Paul says, if I speak in the tongue of men and of angels, there's a spiritual gift, but I have lo not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I can fathom all mystery and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I have to the poor, if I surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Do you see that spiritual gifts are used to build up the church in love? Love is patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. <laughs> it doesn't say, I want that spiritual gift. I don't like the one I got. It's not boast. It's not proud. Love's not rude. It's not self-seeking. I mean, if we use the gifts and that's what we are, rude and self-seeking, we miss the point. It's not anger, easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now it keeps going, and I want to keep reading because don't miss this. So in the context of the church and in spiritual gifts, look what he says. Love never fails, but there are prophecies. They'll cease. Where there are tongues... Some of you think that you got the best gift there. They'll be stilled. Well, there's knowledge. Some of you think that's amazing. It'll pass away. We know in part. We prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. And Paul goes on to talk about how when he was a child, he thought like a child. And he used his spiritual gifts like a child. But when he understood love, he understood the importance of using love in the church. And so these three Remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Do you see what the church should be like? It should be this place where we're using our gifts not for our 
building up individually, but for the building up of the church. And so you're so passionately committed to love, loving the church that you use your spiritual gift. That's 1 Corinthians 13. Now, so we get these spiritual gifts and everybody has at least one. Everyone here today, everyone in this room that has a faith in Jesus Christ who's been regenerated by the power of God through the Holy Spirit, every one of you has a gift. Now, but some of you need to develop those gifts. You know maybe you have a gift, but you've been letting your gift stay on the sideline. If you love the church that God wants you to, you can't. You know, use it. Don't just lead. So let's say someone has the spiritual gift of leadership, okay? Well, that's an easy one. Oh, yeah, leadership. I got it. So what would you do if you had a spiritual gift of leadership? Well, one thing you could do to develop your gift is you could study leadership. There have been a few books written on leadership in this world. You could study. It would be easy to study. You could study it. You could practice it. There are born leaders, but the spiritual gift of leadership grows on us as we get used to the Holy Spirit shining through us us. So you, 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 whatever your gift is, it needs to be honed and developed and worked out through practice and study. Remember the light, right? It's God working through you. And as you learn to tap into his gift, you learn to make his glory shine brighter. That's my challenge to you today. Spirit, you have been gifted for the glory of God and the equipping of the church. Are you using it? Michael Green shared this illustration of a young schoolboy who is gonna take part in the local play. And uh, his mom was a little nervous because she didn't really know if he was the best actor. And he, she knew he had his heart set on making this, you know, making it to the cast of this play at school. And and so he went and he worked and he hard and, and uh, that day the school bus came and the mom went out to meet her son at the school and the young boy came up to her and his eyes were shining bright and he was so proud and he said to his mom, Mom, I've been given a part. My part is to clap and cheer. In the same way, God has lovingly chosen each of us for a different and special task. And you may not get the gift you wanted, right? You may like, I want the one that makes me look awesome. But when just like that young boy, you understand your part in the mission of making God look great and equipping the church for his mission, for the mission of the church, when you understand that, you say, God, I've been chosen to clap and cheer and use whatever gift you've been given me and I'm excited to do it. And these gifts were given to us for an important purpose, the glory of God shining through the equipping of the church. You're important to his body. So today, you gotta know your gift. If you don't know, you gotta start finding out. I mean, yes, you might have to wait till spring till we dive into this, but don't wait, you know? Don't wait. Don't wait for me. Start figuring out your gift. Use your gift. Some of you are like, I know my spiritual gift, but I don't want to use it. Well, stop it. Use it. <laughs> and if you don't 
know your spiritual gift. If you don't use your spiritual gift, our church is missing something. We're missing something part because I am not Waukee Community Church. We are Waukee Community Church. We need each other to accomplish the mission of the gospel in this world. Let's pray. God, it's really amazing that you would give us gifts we didn't deserve to accomplish a task that we can't do on our own. It's really amazing, and we thank you for including us because I think you could have just passed us by, but you didn't. You're including us. Lord, help us to passionately know and understand how you've gifted us. Help us all together to own Waukee Community Church so we can work together, each doing our piece for your glory, for the mission of the gospel. Lord, we love you. And I'm so excited to be part of what you're doing. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for how you're moving amongst our people. I hear good story after good story after good story about God, how your spirit is moving and challenging and changing us to make us more on mission, more in love with the church, more in love with the God of the church. And so I thank you today. Empower us together to live out this mission for the glory of Christ through the equipping of the church. We pray this all in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.